got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style. Brought to you in nine minutes or less. Now, please welcome the host of Zorkcast, Michael Mason Traeger. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to ZorkCast. Today we have a very special guest who is going to be talking about the New England casino scene with much emphasis on Massachusetts, and that is my good friend and New England casino expert, Robin of Anytime Gambling. Robin, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So... Lots, lots going on lately. I mean, I know all the buzz lately has been, you know, casinos reopening. Obviously, Vegas got a ton of interest from the reopening of Vegas right now. They just announced yesterday that Atlantic City is going to be reopening with some big restrictions starting on or about the 2nd of July. So why don't you bring us up to date a little bit with what's happening in, I guess, New England does include a lot of states, but let's maybe just a little bit of focus on on Massachusetts and Connecticut, unless there's something else, and maybe Rhode Island. So what's happening with the casinos as of today in those markets? Let me give you a just a quick overview. We have nine casinos in New England. The two in Maine are not going to be, are still not opened up yet. Nothing has been changed with that. Uh, Rhode Island has two casinos, and we are now at the point that they are open by invitation, and you can call to be invited, <laughs> and then they will allow you to go to either Twin River or Chiverton. But mainly, the Massachusetts casinos and the Connecticut casinos are the ones that uh, we're concerned about. One, opening too early, or I mean two in Connecticut, opening too early, and Massachusetts not open yet. You know, Robin, what I love, one of the things I love about speaking to you and also when you're in, you also help in the uh, New England uh, Facebook group for casinos and casino business and casino market. I love the fact that you are like an encyclopedia of New England. Like if I want to know anything, like how many casinos, where are they? When did they open? You know, what's the layout? What is it? I mean, you you are just like a sponge with this stuff. And it's something I really appreciate. That's why I love having people like you on the show, because it's like, wow, this guy knows everything. So with regard, just pivoting for a second for Connecticut, I happen to love Connecticut casinos. The two casinos are Mohegan and Foxwoods. So what path did they take to reopening? Because they reopened relatively soon. They did like a soft opening and then a full public opening. Yes. On June 1st, they opened to the, uh, despite the the governor's complaints, he really thought that that was much, much too early. But they, um, being sovereign nations, they were able to open on June 1st. And it was a, a soft opening. One hotel at, uh, at Foxwoods. And uh, Sky Hotel was only open at Mohegan for Rhode Island and Connecticut residents only. They both have opened up quite a bit now where they are up to about 50% capacity. Uh, most of the casinos are open in both. We have the two large casinos in Mohegan Sun that are 
completely open. And Foxwoods has, I think, all of them open now with the Fox Tower Casino on a limited basis, especially on the weekend. Dining is is limited, but uh, each week more dining is has been opened. And I think that there are a lot of people from Massachusetts and Rhode Island are making the trek. They've had some very busy nights and they've had some very cold nights. You know, I think there's still a lot of people pretty iffy about going, you know, to the casino and the they've raised the capacity recently. So now I think things are going to be getting interesting because as much space as you have, the tables can get crowded. Of course, they have the normal protocols with the three per blackjack table, uh, plexiglass here and there. Foxwoods has plexiglass on all of their table games, but interestingly enough, Mohegan Sun only has plexiglass on about half the tables, uh, none in the Asian area, and none in um, Baccarat. And it's, it's up to you if you want to be able to play at a table that has limited seating, but has the plexiglass, then go ahead. If you want to go to a usual table with the number of, usual number of seats, then you can do that too. Um, oh, whoa, 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 I, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that all tables do not have to be, are not by their gaming authority forced social distancing so that you have a choice between a blackjack table that has the usual three people and the usual six or seven. Is that what you're saying? Because I didn't realize that. Yes. Yep. And it's interesting, like if you wanted to play Pai Gao or uh, Pai Gao Tiles or any of the Asian games, most, if not all of those games, from what I understand. Now, I haven't visited myself, but I've used a few of my my friends who have been uh, visiting. They have told me that uh, you can you can sit down at a regular table. The one thing is, is that masks are expected the entire time you're there. Just to be clear, and yes. that was my next question to ask you, masks are required for all players at Foxwoods and Mohegan as a requirement for those who are active table game players. Is that correct? Or is it a required suggested kind of thing? No, it, it is required. They will remind you and remind you. And from what I understand, people have walked out because, you know, they are just trying to keep make sure that people are safe and their staff is safe. So it is a must. It is not uh, that is not left up to the particular patron. And this is good. And this has been one of my complaints about the way things have been going in Vegas, which finally changed the other day. I think people need clear, simple rules. I think for the short term, leaving the politics out of it, erring on the side of caution, I think mask requirements are a good idea for the short term. I know some people disagree with that. I know some people say they're not that effective or maybe this or maybe that, but I think we're talking the short term here right now, maybe for the next couple of months. I think it is the prudent way for properties to go. I think it's very good for them also to make the rules very clear. But what's interesting about what you're saying is what's very interesting is that even with the plexiglass, they're requiring the masks. And I was just talking to Meltzer about this the other day. So Vegas is still, it gets very confusing, but Vegas, if there is plexiglass, I think you could get away with not wearing the masks still. What happened in Vegas was that you had properties where you had to wear a mask. 
that you had properties where you had plexi and you didn't have to wear a mask. And then you had properties where it was optional, like Cosmo, where you didn't have to have a mask. So now I think in Vegas, it's got to be plexi or it's got to be a mask. But you're telling me at Mohegan, even if I'm playing at a table with plexiglass, I still have to have my mask on. Is that correct or are you not sure about that? That's correct. Yes, absolutely. The entire time, both casinos. So if somebody really was, you know, a little bit more worried and neurotic, wearing a mask and having plexiglass, it's almost like double protection. That, yep. Very true. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I think that's actually a good thing to point out to people. Before we – what have you noticed people have been saying – with regard to the table game limits. Now, we're at the 23rd of June. This started out on the 1st of June. The two things I'm curious about is, has this impacted the table game limits a lot? The second thing I'm interested in knowing, I know that the governor of Connecticut was very leery about the casinos opening as early as they did, but it's seeming to me that Mohegan and Foxwoods have been extremely proactive and extremely responsible corporate citizens with regard to this stuff. So how do you see it? Well, I I agree that they've been very, very much on the ball in terms of all the protocols, uh, additional sanitizer, wiping the machines down, being on top of people with the masks, et cetera. But the table games, as we thought would happen, have gone up. And I don't think I will ever play craps again. The, <laughs> but the well, you can, well, we can set up a game. Uh, you know what we'll do? We'll do like last time when we got together and I had a suite at Mohegan and we'll just do it on the bed. There you go. <laughs> well, we'll, have a, go. we'll have a. We're gonna have a one dollar. It's gonna be a one dollar craps game with ten times odds. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, seriously, so what the, is- uh, the the table games now. Well, Foxwoods and Mohegan both had nickel craps, for example, and uh, uh, they had lower blackjack rates. Well, everything starts at twenty five, if not fifty, now on a very, very, very slow time. Probably like a Tuesday morning. You might find a $15 blackjack table, but every every uh, limit has gone up. Even the $25 Pygao table has now gone up to 50 So your minimum on Pygao is 50 which I kind of expected because at a quarter rate, you could stay there all day, and, and that would be the best best place to play now with, with the minimums as they are. So they, they have gone up. Yeah, and this is something that we've expected It's unfortunate. I noticed it in Vegas, but one thing I will remind people about Vegas, it is extremely inconsistent because it depends on how many tables they have open. It depends a little bit of the demographic of the customers. So not to go off on a tangent too much, but on a sa- on the same night in when I was in Vegas, which was at the opening, you would have Caesars, which was all $25 and $50 tables, but you could walk over to Bellagio and they had 10 20 and $25 tables that were wide open. So just don't assume, especially with people who are going to Vegas, don't assume like, oh man, Caesars is 25, Flamingo was 25, Bellagio is going to be higher. It depends on their demographic. It depends. Maybe Bellagio isn't getting enough of the hoity-toity guests and they're just not as busy, whereas Flamingo is giving out more comp rooms and they are. So don't make any, especially in Vegas, Walk around. Don't make assumptions that just because one lower end property is 25, and it also could be that Flamingo only has two tables open and Bellagio has six tables open. So I I try to say that to people. I would be curious, what I would be curious about with Mohegan and Foxwoods is they still have a lot of dice tables. If I remember, 
Mohegan has somewhere between 12 and 14 tables, but I'm sort of wondering, are they opening up all of the tables or are they just sort of hedging it a little bit or that kind of thing? Because I would have to hope once they do open up all the tables, even with social distancing, some of the table minimums should come down. Well, I think, I mean, even if you have uh, your social distance with six people now at the craps table, and even at that point, it costs, you know, more to have your your box man and everybody else, you know, all the staff there. So they, I don't see the, the minimums coming down that much. But uh, the days of, of uh, nickel craps are probably gone for quite a while, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right, because it is a very good point. You know, you have a box man and three dealers and a boxman and three dealers for uh, 12 players, as opposed to a boxman and three dealers for a maximum of six players. The economics of it totally shifts. And that's also the same thing for economics for blackjack. If you only have three people, three people at a table, though, of course, interest, the interesting component here is you're saying that some of the tribal casinos, Mohegan and Foxwoods are allowing tables that have more than the three or the six. So that's sort of. I see that as confusing, but that is that's just my opinion. The next thing is we're dealing with Connecticut. It seems like Connecticut's done a pretty good job, has been very responsible. The million dollar question is, what the hell is going on in Massachusetts? (laughs) Well, you know, as as usual, we have a Massachusetts Gaming Commission that is has to be in complete control of everything. And they're just waiting, uh, waiting to see what happens. And then they were also trying to time it with the new license, the renewing the license of uh, Playrange Park, their slots only casino. So they just decided that they would wait. And now they're coming out with very specific protocols for all three casinos, Encore, Boston Harbor, Plainridge, and of course, MGM and Springfield. And some of them are pretty drastic, I think. It's just one little thing that, for example, if you are drinking at your slot machine, and you and you get get a drink uh, uh, brought to you. You can't bring that drink to the next slot machine. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. Some of the little nitpicky things that they feel they need to control. How do you even police that? Is is I, what I, I would. I have <laughs> no just, idea. Well, I did just get word. Uh, I don't know this about Connecticut casinos, but I just get get word from somebody recently from Encore. Uh, Boston Harbor, that they are installing the super fancy uh, thermal detectors, thermal detectors for temperature as you enter. So basically, they have thermal imaging as you enter the property. And if they see something on it, which shows that you have a a higher body, you know, a higher temperature, they pull you aside for like a secondary screening. Mm -hmm. And I know how what a good job win is probably going to do. But I am confused about Massachusetts gaming. And I was wondering if you had any clarity. They said that they would definitely not open with poker. They would not open with craps and they would not open with roulette. I get poker. Poker's tough because they're shorthanded games. It's it's just I I get it. Vegas had a lot of trouble figuring out what they were going to do with poker. But roulette and craps, I mean, with social distancing at the table, I can't for the life of me figure out how this makes any sense. All I can see is I, I just assume that they think that it's just harder to keep roulette and craps with, with the number of people that would, you know, um, come around the table and also watch. I think that they just don't want to bother with that at this time. And I also know that uh, Governor Baker is going to, when he 
when GMC is done with their protocols, which they are, and then Governor Baker said, then I'm going to make them even stricter. So we're still waiting to see what what he's going to add <laughs> to what is already the, the strictest rules in the country. You know, if you ask me if I can help clarify, you know, Massachusetts can be just the most confusing and frustrating gaming commission that I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and, and they're trying to say this under an abundance of caution. I mean, I guess part of it is the politics of Massachusetts. They're playing to their audience, right? I mean, obviously, whereas Nevada with the casinos is playing to a different audience, <laughs> I mean, of, you know, a different political audience. So it's, it's sort of interesting to me. I mean, the thing that's that's interesting is that Massachusetts should have been one of the ones that was the easiest to move because they really only have two resort casinos and one slot parlor. So it's not like they they have a lot of casinos to deal with, like Atlantic City or Las Vegas. So that was confusing to me. And then, of course, you wrote a very interesting article the other day, which was published on Travelzork, which was questioning how the heck with these draconian Massachusetts measures is MGM Springfield going to conform just based on the layout? And I'll let you expand a little bit on that. But, you know, EBH makes sense to me. Uh, the property is huge. Wynn will spend whatever money they have to do to make sure everything is right. On top of the fact, and you and I discussed this a little bit before to show, Boston can handle $100 and $200 table limits. Heck, at EBH, when they first opened, they had $500 blackjack tables. I mean, so they have, and most of the Baccarat, Upstairs on a mezzanine at EBH is two hundred dollar tables, two and three hundred dollar tables, not even hundred. So we know we know they can be profitable with social distancing for sure, because you can you're fine with a, ta- a three hundred dollar minimum table with three with three players. You you can do fine with that. But but what about Springfield? What do you think is going to happen here? Well, at this point in time, first of all, the one thing that MGM doesn't have that that uh, Encore does is the fact that. Uh, Encore owns additional land. You know they can they can build out. You've got MGM stuck where it is, and there's nowhere to go but up, basically. So if they're going to open up at all, then they have to follow the uh, Massachusetts Gaming Commission's rules. They're looking at going from I think it's seven thousand people to a capacity of eighteen hundred. Now, you're not going to make any money when you have eight, only 1,800 people in every other slot machine and, and limits, uh, higher limits. They're not going to make any money. They're not going to make anything back that they have lost over the past three months. So I really don't know. Unless, unless they start using the, the top floor, now they do run the Massachusetts General uh, Conference Center across the way. And, you know, use that for all the conventions and meetings and stuff, and then take the top floor and basically make it into a second floor casino. That's the only way I'm going to, I think, that they will be able to get around the low capacity, the higher minimums, and the spacing needed for slot machines. Well, we're definitely a little bit over time and we have to wrap this up soon. But one of the things that worries me a little bit is, you know, Springfield, it's just another blip for MGM, right? They've got so many properties. They have so many, you know, successful, not successful, so many casinos, so much stuff. Is it, you know, you sort of wonder, does MGM have the heart and the interest 
to really do the right thing and basically do things to MGM Springfield that probably should have been done before opening with regard to the layout and space. We know with Wynn, you know, think about it. In the United States, you've got Wynn Las Vegas and you've got Encore Boston Harbor. This is their, this is their pride. These are their jewels. And I actually think the architectural design and the regional nature of MGM Springfield from a standpoint of designing a casino from the ground up is very interesting. I mean, I think what they've done with the hotel and all of the, you know, I think it's a very nice and aesthetically pleasing. I think you called it uh, industrial chic. I think that's all really great what they did at MGM, but I think, I think they really screwed up with, with layouts and things. And I just wonder, will they make the effort to correct these things considering the casino was not really particularly profitable to begin with? Well, I would give them an A plus on the on the hotel and the the design of the entire place because they really show quite a bit of the history and the um, materials and the elements of Springfield, and they, I think they've done that very well. But the gaming wise, when they opened up, the place was too crowded. It had too many machines. The limits were way way out of control, and and the video poker was hardly existent. They have made changes. I would give them a D when they started off. I'd give them about a C minus right now. But they have done some little things to bring in people. But it's still not enough. They, it's a small property. And I did write an article a while back saying that it is a locals casino. So whether or not they are able to, to open up with MGM, and I don't think they're a priority for MGM. I really don't. I think it's like on the third page of their portfolio, actually. It's just not a priority. I still think that it's a nice place for a casino, and maybe someone like Boyd's would move further further east to take it over. But I do have questions on whether it's going to continue or not. Right now, the Massachusetts Gaming Commission is sounding like it's going to continue as an MGM property and, and everything is on, on track. But I think we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think so. And it'll be interesting. And I think it's nobody really knows. I mean, it would make it would make sense for them to reopen on the other end of it. If we wanted to talk about opinions or, you know, personal opinions, it could be an excuse that MGM could use like, hey, hey, guys, we'd love to open it. But the property just doesn't work with social distancing, no matter how hard we try. It's just the layout isn't going to work. So it'll be interesting to see. But I I really appreciate uh, all of your observations and all of your depth on all of this. I want to remind people, uh, not only this recent article about MGM Springfield on Travelzork, but Robin has written a bunch of other articles which are linked to. Also, you really should visit Anytime Gambling because this is this is the diamond. This is the gem of websites that gives you all of the information about New England casinos. So on that note, Robin, where can people find you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you, say hello, give you a virtual hug? Well, we have, uh, as you said, our, our website, which I work very hard on, anytimegambling.com. And you can go there. You can uh, sign up for um, emails and whatever posts come out, you get them right away. We are also on uh, Twitter, Anytime Gambling, and uh, also Facebook, Anytime Gambling. And you can also find us in commenting here and there at the New England Casino Facebook community. 
And yeah, I was to say hello. And I, I, I would just like to end with saying, saying, please be safe and don't let your gambling itchiness get you to the casino before you're ready. Thank you, Robin. And I really appreciate you joining us today. And all of these links will be in the show notes. So until next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at TravelZork and Facebook.com slash TravelZork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, good luck.